suicidal thoughts, you know, started when I was, when the abuse started occurring for my stepfather. And uh, I used to think of so many ways to just end it, right? But I would always hear, and looking back now that I recognize the Holy Spirit's voice, Mm -hmm. I would always hear this little whisper that I've got better. I've got better for you. This is not who you are. Your pain has a purpose. Like I would hear these words my whole life and thinking that they were maybe just my conscience or, you know, my own hope being created within my mind thinking, okay, maybe there is better out there. I'm Adira Polite, and this is Then God Moved. Hello. Today you'll hear from my new friend, Amanda Shaw, the founder of the legal nonprofit Redemptive Rescue. In short summary, Redemptive Rescue is all about providing free legal aid to the poor, especially as it relates to issues of child custody. And as you'll hear, it was Amanda's own custody battle that opened her eyes to the corruption and inequality that Redemptive Rescue aims to combat. I had a great time chatting with Amanda. In fact, we actually hung out for about an hour on Zoom after the recording stopped, and I have been texting ever since. She has a deep love for Christ and his church. I feel it every time we talk, and I know you'll feel it too. So I am here with Amanda Shaw. She has an awesome story of overcoming so many things, including suicidal thoughts, custody battles, you know, enemies turned to friends, and I'm excited to get into it. So to begin, where are you from and how did you grow up in terms of faith? I'm from Houston, Texas, but I spent my summers in Alabama with my stepdad's parents. They were my grandparents. Mm-hmm. And um, they would take us to church. It was like a little Baptist church. And I was eight years old. And I'll never forget, I was in um, like a Bible study on Sunday morning, and I just felt it. I felt, even now, like this overwhelming feeling of love. And I couldn't understand it, but I knew that that was, that, that it was something greater, right? And so that day, I accepted Jesus in my heart and got baptized that night. And ever since then, I never doubted that God was real. I didn't hear him the way I do now. I didn't see him and my pain and suffering until I was older until I took time to get to really know him by his word. But it was something, you know, and I, I, I was abused for seven years by my stepfather. I left home when I was 16. And the one thing that I realized looking back was that God was always there. Mm-hmm. And I felt him as a little girl and I could always feel his love. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned you were abused by your stepfather. Did that <laughs> impact at any point how you saw God? Uh, no, it's kind of crazy. I'm one of those people that instead of running from him, I pressed into him. Mm-hmm. You know, I started listening to KSBJ, which is, uh, you know, a, a Christian station in Texas. And um, every time something happened to me, I, I ran to him and I would say, I know that I can't hear you, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I feel you. And I know that you have something for me, you know, and suicidal thoughts, you know, started when I was when the abuse started occurring for my stepfather. And uh, I used to think of so many ways to just end it, right? But I would always hear, and looking back now that I recognize the Holy Spirit's voice, Mm -hmm. I would always hear this little whisper that I've got better. I've got better for you. This is not who you are. This is gonna, this is, your pain has a purpose. Like I would hear these words my whole life and thinking that they were maybe just my conscience or, you know, my own hope being created within my mind thinking, okay, maybe there is better out there. You know, I wasn't born just to, just to be used like this, you know? So. Right. Right. 
So you had this strong sense of purpose from a young age, which was rare. I mean, most of us don't have that. Did you have any sense of exactly how God was going to use you? Absolutely not. (laughs) No, um, I, I thought maybe, you know, I was going to help women, um, that have been abused Mm -hmm. and getting over anger. And cause, cause after the abuse and I left home at 16, you know, my mom didn't run after me. And so then I was abandoned and rejected right away, felt that rejection. And uh, my mom stayed with him for a while and love my mom to death. I have nothing bad to say about her. You know, perceptions change as you start to fully learn the unconditional love of God. You know, you start to look back at people and say, okay, they hurt me, but they were hurting. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know what the purpose was. I, I knew that I wanted justice. Mm -hmm. And that word is what sits on my life is the word justice. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't know that it was going to lead into something so much greater. But at the time I was thinking, well, maybe I'll just help women, you know, get over their anger and and find their worth because I lost it. Right, right. So you left home. And is that when you met the father of your children? Oh, goodness. No, (laughs) there's another story. Um, So I was in college and I met a guy, his name was James, and we got married and um, we were young and just like, let's just do this thing, you know, and excited about life. And uh, that story's crazy and I don't want to get too much into it. But when when that ended, he ended up leaving me for his ex-girlfriend's mom. (laughs) And so that was really, really hard pill to swallow. It was really hard. And um, I'll never forget when he told me like, I, I just don't love you anymore. And I'm, I'm ending this. Um, I ran straight to the Matagorda beach and I was in Bay city, Texas. And it was like about 2 AM and it was song, Jesus bring the rain by mercy me, you know, it was playing about mercy me and yeah, in, in my car. And it was like, I felt just this un- unimaginable love. And it was amazing. Cause all I heard was it's okay it's okay. This is, this is my will. You are not to be with him. It's okay. And it was like right then and there, like, and some people can say that they've said to me, wow, you can just, when you lose somebody, you're you're okay. And it's like, no, I'm not okay. It's just that God gives me the strength to carry on, you know? And, um, he did that day and it was like, okay, you you don't want to be with me. Fine. Let's move on. Then I met the father of my children. Okay. So you were hearing the same voice, obviously, the same voice that you heard as a child, but didn't recognize. It sounds like that voice stayed with you during the relationship with your children's father and then during the custody battle, which is where you really found your purpose. Can you tell me about that? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not one to um, hide my faults, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to humble myself on this podcast and say, me and my ex-husband, Dom, there was some things that he, he let, like, how am I going to say this in a professional way? Um, there were things that he wanted from our marriage that were definitely out of bounds. How about that? Mm-hmm. And that led me to meeting a man named Kyle, and uh, which Dominique, my husband, liked. And even though I couldn't, I, I was still fighting. Um, Dominique was an atheist. My ex-husband before that didn't go to church. I was always going to church by myself. So I was always unequally yoked and fighting for just to know God in in a deeper way. And so um, I ended up feeling more self-worth with this other guy, Kyle. 
So that led to me and Kyle starting a relationship, which led to Dominique being angry. And um, he was in Korea at the time. He sent his parents to come take the girls on vacation. The plan was to take the girls and, and take them away, right? To get them away from me. And so it started this whole custody battle, right? And it was first, it was, you know, shared custody and um, with me with the primary. Well, then my younger daughter, CPS got involved and my younger daughter said some things and it made the judge very upset and about, um, about my ex-husband and like just about the way she was being treated by your ex-husband. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to get into only because I have so much respect for my ex-husband, Dominique. Um, now you'd ask me three years ago, <laughs> that would have been a different story. Um, but I have so much respect for that man. So I don't, I don't, and, and so I don't know how to kind of go into that, but the, the main thing is, is that the judge didn't like what CPS had, what Sasha, my daughter had to say in CPS. And I'll never forget. Cause it was that morning, that morning I was sitting um, on the bench and I, and I said, okay, God, I need you, but I need you in a different way. Like I've always said that I need you, but I've always been trying to control. And I always try to control the situation. And I always try to, and I'm, I'll humble myself to say that there would be times that I would try to manipulate the situation, right? To work in my favor. Mm-hmm. And I remember a strong voice saying, okay, but now we're going to do things my way. And in order to do things my way, I got to take you back. And that was the day that the judge took the girls from both of us. Wow. Yes. It was no longer shared custody. It was going for full custody. It was, it was um, my attorney at the time versus his attorney. My attorney was just appalled and started just going after everything, right? And so because he made the judge so angry, anything that we filed, it, they would go against me because of my attorney. Now, he was a great attorney, but he didn't think what was done was ethical, right? Mm-hmm. And so I went to another attorney and tried to get that to work and nothing worked. And then they tried to say that I was this crazy woman and they ended up paying a psychotherapist to come on board and mm-hmm. say that I was crazy. Now, here's how God works. He used their loaded gun as an angel on my case because not only did she get to meet me and evaluate me, she was an atheist. She accepted Christ into her heart and she what? ended up testifying on my behalf against them. Wait, what? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Wait, they bring an atheist therapist on board to slander you and she becomes a Christian. And <laughs> wow. And we were being supervised, right? We were being treated like like I can believe that I am I am going through this. You talk about God wanting to humble me because I'm I was a very stubborn person, very stubborn. And there were things that I was always felt like I had to be right on. Okay. And you want to talk about when Jesus talks about humility in the Bible, man, there was a lot of humility done, but it needed to happen because not only did it, it softened my heart. It gave me a completely different perception on the way things were like the bigger picture and why I was going through it. And what was interesting was, um, she called me one night. She's like, okay, Amanda, I've met you. I've met your girls. I've seen you and your girls. What is going on? (laughs) You know, she just like, there's just not, something's not right here. Yeah. She just became an angel and there's called an amicus, which is the court's attorney. It's like the court's ears and eyes, right? What ended up happening was it ended up being her friend of 10 years. Wow. She said, I'll give up my 10 year friendship for, for what's right. And this Mm -hmm. is not right. Well, I kept losing. I kept losing and 
I didn't understand why. And I fell to my knees and I was like, okay, well, I, I guess like my girls are better off without me. And it was insane because it was like the vision was so clear of what was up ahead. And what I saw was so much justice and so much laws being reformed and parents being fought for and the and God's will finishing out people's life and, and how judges were taking kids and putting them with abusers or judges were getting paid to throw cases. And, and I was in the center of it because as I was in the center of it, I started meeting other moms and dads that were going through it. And so I started seeing that this was not just me, that there was something wrong with the way that our family court system started to work. And I started to meet with a private investigator that already had so many cases um, on his table. I mean, it was insane, like all the, the, the puzzle pieces that God was putting together without me even realizing it. Right. And I remember the amicus telling me, over my dead body, will you get your girls back? What? Uh-huh. And I looked at her and I said, I don't know how, and I don't know when, <laughs> but I'm coming back here and I'm going to expose every single one of you for what you're doing. This, this is wrong. This yeah. is wrong. You're playing with people's lives and it's just wrong. Mm. And, and I'm going to come back. I don't know how or when, but I'm coming back. And so around this time is when I'm driving and I'm listening to Stefani Gretzinger and it's, it's called I'm Confident. It's the song I would go to, to feel his presence. Mm. And that's when I heard it and I couldn't stop crying. It's, I am who you think I am. And I've been here. I've been here the whole time. And as much as you think that this is about your girls, this is all about you. God said to me that day, this was always meant to develop you and make you into the woman of God that I have you to be because I have an assignment for you. Mm. And I need you to know that you could walk through the fire and not get burned. And I needed you to finish it. Mm. And at that point is when I heard you will take over your own case. Wow. You will take over your own case. And from there on, I didn't know how I could start shooting out those statutes to the judge. I didn't know how I was able to learn to lay the predicates and object and how to get my uh, testimonies ready and how to write motion and liminies and all these different law things. Like, I didn't know how I just, it would just come. Mm. And other lawyers would be like, there's no way you wrote this. I just saw you write this. There's no way you wrote this. I'm like, Holy Spirit. How did you write a memorandum, a memorandum of law? And like, how did you, how did you know that? How did you know to attach, like, there were things that I didn't even know. I mean, I, my opposing counsel would her her jaw would drop sometimes when I wouldn't file something. Right, right. I just I was determined. Wow. So you truly were like, okay, God, I'm literally going to represent myself, and he just took it from there. I heard that you will declare victory. These are his words. You will declare victory in my name. You will declare victory. And so the first thing I set out to do was to prove impartiality and biasness with my judge. Okay. And then once that judge was removed, then the elections came Mm -hmm. and the elections came and uh, a new judge sat. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, while this is going on, there's a lot of other corrupt cases going on, you know, that I'm being dragged into or moms are calling me like, you know, help me and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And every person I met, I could tell was led from God. And one of my friends, you know, when I sat down with her, she's been in a custody battle for nine years and she's still going through it. And there's so much corruption in her case. And when I sat down to talk to her about the vision of redemptive rescue, it was absolutely, she got confirmation right away that this Mm -hmm. was it, Mm -hmm. you know, and and God was leading me every single 
place I was going to. And, and he had me doing assignments, what I call, or he called, you know, throughout this whole entire time as well. So assignments being people that he was leading you to, to share his love with essentially. Absolutely. Or, or if I got a vision, um, I, I, I have a friend named Pastor Inez. Um, we were in the courthouse one day and I told her, um, I'm sorry, this sounds crazy, but I got a vision of a little boy and he's got wind around him. And I hear that if you don't go and get him from wherever he's at, um, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to t- turn out well. Long story short, she ended up going to fly to get her son from the father's house in Virginia and found out that he was planning on kidnapping the son. Oh, wow. Yeah. So assignments are just whatever God calls me to do. And it, I, it might be crazy. It might be like, hey, go up to that person and tell that lawyer that no matter what, I heard her prayers and mm. her motion will be accepted mm. today. Or um, it, it didn't matter what it was. I just learned to listen and go, listen and go. And as I listened and obeyed, his voice got stronger. Yeah. And I was able to discern his voice from the enemies or his voice mm-hmm. from other spirits' voices. It's just, I was able to discern that calm, smooth whisper. Yeah. I knew it was him. Yeah. I was going to ask you, how did you learn to discern? Because I get messages all the time from people who read the stories. And then say like, oh, how do I hear God? And how do I know it's God speaking and not another voice? And I don't really know what to say because in my experience, it's like you just learn what God's voice sounds like. You also discern by reading the word and comparing what you're hearing to the word of God. If it contradicts the word of God, it is not from God. But how has that been for you? How's that journey of learning? This is God's voice. This is my voice. This is other people's voice. Um, so when, when Holy Spirit talks, he will always refer to a verse. And so when you were speaking, all I heard him say was those who seek me diligently, right? Yeah. And then, the, you know, if you knock, the door shall be opened. If you ask, the answer will be given. You have not because you were, you know, you've asked not, right? So those are the, those are the things that, um, that I'm hearing right now to, to say to anybody that's trying to hear is continue to seek him. Mm-hmm. Listen to praise and worship. You know, for a year, I just listened to praise and worship. Change the atmosphere of where you're at. If you're just barely starting to discern his voice, you have to be careful with certain types of music. But, you know, and, and, and read the word because um, a lot of times before I could, I could hear him the way I do now and have the relationship that I do with him now, I would just open my Bible and it would be what I needed. But now it's, it's just knowing that, is this you? And if it is you, help me understand. And you know how in the word it says, test the spirits, right? Well, he will always use his word. And how did Jesus combat Satan right, You know, for right. those 40 days? It is written. It is written. It is written. His word came to life. And, and so that is how I started to learn. And for a year and a half, there was a 40 foot cross and I kept passing it every day. And one of these days I just heard, um, go there, meet me there. And there was like a little lake by it. And, um, for a year and a half, I went every night and I would spend every night in the word and just seeking him out. Not, not everybody's going to want to have that discipline or be able to have that time. But what I learned is God stripped everything from me so he could rebuild me. And so what I tell people anybody that I talk to is stop waiting for the blessing to be at the end of the road. The blessing is what God is doing to you and through you and for you. Right. That's what I learned is it's in the suffering. It's in the, it's in the storm. It's in the battle that that is the blessing. It's not what's at the end of the tunnel. What's at the end of the tunnel is the result of the blessing Mm -hmm. and the result of your obedience or the result of it. 
Don't be so afraid when you go through suffering. Yeah. That is a timely for me personally. I might cry. <laughs> that is no, is I mean, and, and the thing is, is like today, you know, I said, and when I when I when I would go on the stand and and they would just obliterate my character, I would hear the Holy Spirit say, Who are you to judge? Who are you to to go after him just because he's going after you? What have I taught you seven times, 70 times? You know, like there every time he speaks to me, it would be, you know, and, and when it came my turn to go after Dom, Dominique, my ex-husband, he said, no, absolutely not. Mm. Absolutely not. I love him the same as I love you, as I love the woman, the, the man that's beating his wife. Those are they're, they're still my children. Right. And I love them all the same. There is no favor. Now, there might look like there's favor, but in different seasons, when his children are obedient, they're not hitting so many roadblocks or demonic delays because they're focused on him. You know, they're not looking mm. to the left or to the right. They're looking at ahead. And the vision I'm getting right now and what I hear is when he asked uh, Peter to step out on water mm -hmm. and the moment that Peter looked away from Jesus is when he started to sink, right? Okay. So as long as you keep your eyes focused on Jesus, it doesn't matter what storm you're in. It is all to develop you. That is a word. That is a word. You can preach. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I ask the Holy Spirit every time I'm going to speak in front of anybody or for anything and, and with redemptive moving forward and I just met with the former attorney general in Utah here to talk about redemptive. And um, I just say, you know, Lord, in the name and by the blood of Jesus, like I just ask that my flesh would decrease mm -hmm. and that the Holy Spirit, you're invited in and increase within me and just blood out of my mouth. Whoever is listening to this, God loves you and he's fighting for you. And in this season, in this day and age, in this new era that we're going into, he wants you to learn him he wants you to learn his voice and he wants to bless you i'm hearing in like proverbs he wants to give you the best life he gave you the holy spirit not just as a comforter but because it's our guide yep yep i have listened to that guide and i have done some crazy assignments because yeah. of that guide and i don't care how crazy i sound or or how crazy it looks but when i see the result of that person on their knees calling out to god and thanking them for what he's done, like there is no doubt in my mind. You call me crazy all you want. I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> the fruit, I mean, the fruit is just undeniable. Like when it's there, it's there. And it I, that that always propels you because once you get the fruit from that one assignment, you know, you see what God has done with your obedience. The next time you're doubting, it's like, wait, I'm really not about to doubt this. <laughs> I saw what he did last time. <laughs> and when I was at the cross, you know, learning his voice and just seeking him out, I heard him say that. You know why? I asked, and he calls me my daughter. My daughter, do you understand why I want my children to be obedient? And I said, you know, no. And he said, it's not because I am God and Almighty and I, just, I want them to be obedient. I just want them to obey me because, you know, he said, because behind your obedience lies not only your blessings, but the blessings of others and the miracles of others. You could be an answered prayer. And if you are scared to, to do what I've called you to do, or you are not listening or afraid to walk out by thinking, what are they going to think of me? What are they, what are they going to say? If you do, you could be standing in the way of somebody. You're going to fight to get your daughters back. Some people might think that that's crazy. And if I were outside looking in, I would say, yeah, that is. But I have just dedicated my life to God. And because I've seen what his power and his love can do. I've seen addiction be released off people to where mm. they're not even, they're not even urging to drink anymore. I've seen suicidal thoughts turn into just, just 
self-worth and love. And I've, I've seen so many things that God has done. I can't deny it. There is no denying it. Yeah. yeah. No way. All right. So how did you go from declaring God's victory in his name, as he told you you would, with your own situation, with your own custody battle, to what you now have, which, you know, developed out of you helping parents here and there, but now it's an organized ministry. Mm -hmm. How did that come about? You know, that day that I was just, I was done. I thought that my life wasn't worth living anymore. And I was crying in my room. I saw redemptive and I, I saw it come together and it was in a vision. It was just like things started like piling up together. I saw um, moms and children um, and dads too, I, but, but they come in a little bit later. But at the time of the vision, I saw moms and dads and moms and children with their hands um, united around a huge court building. Mm. And it kind of reminded me of the, the walls of Jericho. Mm. And they were singing and swaying back and forth. And in this vision, what ended up happening was as they started declaring God's word, okay, and I could see more people joining. And then the dad started to join in. I could see the, the, the whole building just crumble. And I saw that that was <laughs> the, the, the justice system when it came to family law. Way too, there's way too much immunity for certain, for certain things for judges. Um, there's way too much under the table, money going back and forth under the table. I mean, that was another assignment, telling another judge one day, getting a vision of telling another judge that what she's doing is wrong. And she asked for a sign and I, I came to give her that sign. And, mm. and I told her that um, God said, it's time to put your courtroom back in order. And that when you were a law student, you wanted this. And you're getting the opportunity to have it, but now you're getting stuck, right? And so seeing all these things and doing these assignments and meeting all these moms and dads that were losing their children or that were going through all this stuff, like judges, you know, throwing cases and 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 driving the, the, the client's cars or getting the house and selling it and then using the money to buy a yacht. I mean, there's so many nasty stories. And this like is judges, judges taking judges property owners. of what? Yes. And, and there's so much like information about it. it. It's crazy. And, and I learned, I learned at that moment, okay, the whole purpose. And so this is for anybody that's going through a huge storm. Look at the storm and look at the bigger picture. How is this storm not only going to develop you, but how is this storm going to be a part of your testimony to where you can break chains off of other people? Mm -hmm. you see, I don't mind that I had to go through because now we're building redemptive and going back to it is, is we're going to help moms and dads that don't have money because court cases, like my friend, Sarah, I mean, it's over $2 million and it's, it's for what, mm. for what, just to have your kids thrown back and forth in, in a custody battle for how many years a court battle should not be able to go on that long. Yeah. Yeah. You should not be able to drag your wife or your husband because of your, your vindictiveness or, or your hurt or your pain, you know, mm. it, it needs to be done at a timely manner. So what redemptive does is it, and it is centered around God, boldly, loudly, strongly. If you don't want to be represented by our lawyers, that's fine. But God mm -hmm. is our business partner and yes. we are going to, and everybody that's in redemptive so far, they all can, they all can um, discern Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So when it comes time to make decisions, we, we consult with God and the Holy Spirit first and make sure that we're following with the word and we're making sure that everything is done by God's plan because everything comes a lot easier. And so because I was supervised and, and, and um, 
if we went to a restaurant, we had to be watched like we were hawks, like, or they would watch us like they were hawks, like, like we were going to do something wrong. We couldn't even say like, I miss you or I'll see you soon. Like it took away from the parent child bond. Mm. And um, so with redemptive is we want to do housing for um, moms and dads and their children. That way they can be at a home, visit their children and make it more of a home life. Right. Mm. And, and that way they don't feel like prisoners or they don't feel like some of my friends have said they just feel like they were just can't even think of the word that they said, but it was humiliating and it it took away from their children. We're also going to provide resources, lawyers, doctors. We want to get with the judges and I want to present to judges and and duplicate this in all different states and um, say, look, you know, you, you need a doctor, you need a psychologist. And instead of the attorneys paying for one or to pay them to say what they want on the stand, here's a list of credible doctors that we provide. This mm-hmm. is what Redemptive Rescue provides. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to just be the one that provides all the resources because so many people in the custody battles now, it's how much money do you have? That's who wins. Mm-hmm. And that's sad. A lot of times it's not the right one or it's not the one that God has, you know, the, the plans for the children to go to, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, Redemptive is all about making sure that people are provided for. And then on the other side, that we are building all these cases up to say, all right, legislation, here's a stack. These are the laws we want changed. And here's why. And we can prove with all this data that this is why we want to change these laws. Okay. There's a policy aspect to what you're doing. Yes. It's a, it's a two part. Um, It'll take time to figure out, you know, even though I was in the middle of the corruption, there's still a lot that I wasn't privy to or aware of, you know, but certain things like laws need to be changed that lawyers can't give money to judges, right? Or um, judges can't go out to lunch with a lawyer when they have a case on their docket. Yep. Absolutely not. Yeah, you should not be able to to fund any campaigns or any of that stuff. And so there's so much immunity with judges and judges need to have a way of, of acting in their courtroom that they, they get away with right now. And I've seen yep. it on many levels. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I have to be careful what I say, but I used to be a death penalty appeals paralegal. Oh. You would think, especially in a death case, attorneys and judges wouldn't be buddy-buddy because someone's life is on the line. Happens all the time. Prosecutors mm-hmm. and judges, BFFs, going out to drink on lunch breaks. It's just, the corruption is crazy. But I haven't honestly thought that much about family law. It's happening all over. And, and, and I want to get with other, um, and I've met with other politicians that want to jump on board with Redemptive and do it on the criminal side as well. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw Redemptive three years ago, and when I brought it to other people that are very in tune with the Holy Spirit, they got the same thing. God wants this nationwide. God wants to help people. And this is a ministry because not only when I, I'll never forget, I went up to the, the church where I used to pray on the praying team. But before I was on the praying team, God told me to go and get a prayer from this woman. And um, she touched me and she goes, Ooh, girl, you have an assignment. You have the word justice instilled inside of you. Mm. And then she said, I see chains. I see chains falling. I see children. Wow. Like she, and, and when she said that it was just confirmation then her demeanor switched and she said, my daughter, and she started speaking and I go, Oh, wait a second. No, 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 That's not her speaking. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's God, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Holy spirit, you know? And so as you, like I said before, seek him out and you keep listening and 
God will use even your enemies to speak through. Listen, be on guard because anytime God is, God is ready to speak to you and he is trying to guide you to your destiny and, and the best life that you can have. Amen. 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 I will be praying for this ministry. Where can people learn more? Right now, um, we are building our website. So I'm really excited. We're meeting with developers. We already established it. It's been established in Texas and Utah. Um, building the board right now and um, just getting all the puzzle pieces. We have the puzzle pieces. We're just putting the puzzle together. So um, when I launch my website, which will be pretty soon, I will send you the link. Maybe we could just send it out to people. But it is redemptive rescue. And God showed me it's all about redeeming and rescuing. And that's what God is doing. He wants to take people that think that they've done wrong, that, oh, God would never forgive me. Let me just say this. <laughs> the way that I am now, I, I, I was not before. Yes. And the reason I got into that custody battle was because of my selfish choices and my bad choices. And yes, things happened to me when I was younger, but that was no excuse. I still was old enough to know right from wrong. And so anybody listening that feels like God, God couldn't, God couldn't love me. Like that hidden secret, like he would never, he knows it. He knows it. And he still claims you as his child and he still loves you. And he still is going to use you. It's time to just let that shame go. And I just hear that just to, to say that, just let that shame go. Whoever's listening, yeah. let that fear go, release yeah. it up. And God's going to do something amazing with it. Amen. You should really consider if you haven't already done it for the ministry, because that is the message that so many people need to hear. I spent some time doing prison ministry in Cape Town. There are so many people who think, oh, I killed someone. I raped someone. Uh, I'm too far gone. Like I've just, I've gone over into the deep and there's no hope for me. There's no redemption for me. They don't think the gospel can reach them. And the saddest part is that there are a lot of Christians who think the same. Like there are a lot of professing Christians who kind of preach this message of, you know, there's forgiveness, but you know, if you commit certain sins, you're too far. Yeah. And that's, and that's just not, not that's true. And the, and I'm convicted when I say this, I hear, I hear, tell him Saul of Tarsus, he was crucifying Christians. He was on his way to crucify Christians. And who is he in the Bible? He's Paul. He actually ends up writing the most of the end of the, the new Testament. So if God can use him, yep. God yep. can use a murder of Christians, murder of his people. Yep. There is no doubt that he can use you. <laughs> Amen. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. I know it'll encourage a lot of people. I've had chills for most of our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy to share this. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to send any questions or comments to thengodmoved at gmail.com.